0: Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming
1: out. Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm really excited to be here today. Five summers ago, I founded a queer improv show called Thank You For Coming Out, or Tifco as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. And during the show, we have folks share their coming out stories, and then the improvisers bring those stories to life using improv. And uh, But the format's a little bit different here on the podcast. We still have Uh, Guests come and share their stories, uh, but instead of improv, we just have a candid conversation. So I would like to introduce our guest today. I'm so excited that you're here. We have Lou Gonzalez, he, him pronouns. Hi, Lou.
2: Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, First of all, I love your shirt. It's a floral, like Hawaiian print.
2: Yeah, very, very floral, very Hawaiian. Um, I have one in black as well, Mm. and it breathes. And mm. that's why I mostly wear it because it's just it's summer. Yeah. And so I need I, and also florals floral's in.
1: Floral is in.
2: I mean, I would say it's two in to the point where like I don't like wearing this shirt as much. Mm. I like to keep mm. it, you know. But yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. My I much. love your Ohio State University. Thank you for repping.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, do I know? Are you from Ohio? Oh
2: no, I'm from the Bronx. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, I have different places, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. I was like, "Oh my gosh, are you from Ohio?" I didn't know.
2: I have, I have okay. a lot of friends who went to Ohio State.
1: Cool. We're very particular about. I don't know what what generalization I was just about to make. Being from Ohio, I think there's like a lot of pride behind like being a Buckeye.
2: I think I, I feel like everyone should have. Pride of where they're from and there's just going to be ignorance Mm -hmm. about it if you're not from there because you're only told stories about what that place is i deal with it all the time with the bronx Mm -hmm. everyone likes to tell me that they've been to the bronx and i was like you can't say yankee stadium you can't say the botanical gardens and you can't say the bronx zoo and then they say okay well then i've never been to the bronx
1: (laughs) (laughs) and exactly yeah um okay so I want to steer us in the right direction here of we all have multiple coming out stories we all have our moments um and so I would love to hear one of your moments
2: um I guess I'll go with like the main my family one cuz that's the one that I determined like that's when I'm out like I was I was I was out to people but I didn't feel like I could be fully out until I told them, there mm-hmm. was just, um, and so uh, it happened, it happened, I think it was after a show, and I think it was a decision that I think I made on the train that day. I was like, no, I'm out now. Mm. I was just like, I'm out, so like, if it comes up, I'm just, I'm out. And so that's how like I carried myself, and then once I did that, I was like, oh, I have to tell my parents. <laughs> I can't just like, do that I have to be active with them. I can't wait for them to say, like, oh, um, uh, are you gonna bring a girlfriend over and just be like, I'm gay? I, <laughs> I'm just, I have to tell them I, it has to be like a thing. Um, so uh, I planned with my mom first because I that was gonna be easy. Mm-hmm. I knew my mom was gonna be cool with it. She um was a hospital administrator who worked uh in the HIV wards in the 90s, so she worked very closely uh, with the queer community, had a lot of queer friends. So, And I remember asking her when I was in the closet, if I came out, would there be a problem? She was like, I would love you no matter what. And so I was wow. like, this is fine. But at that moment, I was just like, no, not yet. And then I waited several years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sat on her bed with her, because that's that's how they my parents have always functioned, is after work, my mom would take a shower, go to bed. My dad would sit in the couch. That's where they stay. That's their quadrants, mm-hmm. and they and for, for whatever reason, that's how they always functioned. So I came like when I came out to them, it was in those different those places. Mm-hmm. So I was with my mom on bed, and I was like, um, I want to let you know. Uh, and I always <laughs> it was weird. Like in order to cushion the blow, I was like, you probably know this already. Mm. Like I was like, you know this already. Um, you may have thought about it, but I am gay. And when I told her that, she's like stood there, and then she started weeping. Mm. I was like, "Oh boy, mm-hmm. okay, is this a bad thing?" Right? <laughs> you like, I don't Define know, like, weep. yeah, what, yeah, what is this weep? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think it was more so out of fear of what I would have to deal with as an out person, um, and. Uh, then um, she was like, she asked me, she was like, are you going to tell your father? I was like, yes. I was like, but not now. <laughs> I was like, I need time to com- like muster up the energy. I just used so much energy telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next day, I'm at work, um, and she texts me and says, I told your father.
1: Oh, and you didn't <laughs> ask her to do that? I didn't
2: ask her to do that. Okay. Um, uh, and so she told him, And I was like, oh boy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't ask, was everything okay? I was just like, I didn't look at my phone. I was like, I can't deal with this right now. Um, I'm going to avoid this until I have to confront it. Um, And so I came, and at the time I was staying with my parents because uh, my mom, a year's previous, uh, maybe like a year or two previous had a stroke. Mm. And so I decided to live with them and, and pay, like help, with the finances until Mm -hmm. like they got her money like money was stable and then I could leave and do my own stuff until I get back um, which made it very hard uh, to have boyfriends. For sure. Um, uh, Mostly be like you want to come to the Bronx? Uh, (laughs) Or like hey you want to hook up? Uh, My dad is always in the living room so you will see him. (laughs) (laughs) He'll greet you or he'll be asleep. (laughs) Um, So I enter I enter the I enter the living room and I say, nothing. And then uh, I say to him, I was like, so mom told you. And he was like, yeah, I already knew. Mm. And I was like, I had a feeling about that. Um, and uh, he was like, yeah, um, you're really lazy with like w- how you hide your pornography. And I was like, ding, ding. That's oh. what it, <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, um, and it's very funny. And then the next thing he said was, "You need to start dressing better <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> if you're gonna like, you know, like date someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to like dress better." I didn't disagree with him. Like when mm-hmm. I look back at how I dressed at the time, I I did not dress um, uh, for for my body. Mm-hmm. Like no as a bigger friends. as a yeah as a bigger person, you think that you have to wear bigger clothes. To cover because you had so much body shame, but it Mm -hmm. actually makes you look bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But like, I had, it took me a while to like understand that. But like, that was very funny uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, he brought that up. Uh, And then like, everything's like cool. Like, I fuck with them all the time. Like, I guilted them into getting me a 4K TV. Wow! I, I texted, I texted my mom. I think it was like one of those national coming out days, and I was like, "Today's national coming out day." and um, Parents have to get their like, uh, their kid, their, their out kids like gifts. So I would prefer if you got me a four K TV uh, via text message, and she replied back, "What's four K?" Mm-hmm. And then, then then like Christmas, I got a four K TV. Wow! Like I got a 4K TV for Christmas, and I was like, okay. And so now what I do is I I drop hints of like to see if it works again. It still it hasn't. Mm. But I'm just like, oh, uh, it's Pride Week. Uh, you should get me something. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty great. They're pretty great about it. Um, my dad just called me like uh, just talking about like how like nice. Uh, you know, uh world pride was mm-hmm. with me, and I thought it was just so weird that, like he was so casual, like like a- and in my mind before I came out, I didn't think that was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that he especially my dad because he just you just well, I unfortunately he put things on people, yeah, and I think definitely. because my father was definitely conservative and definitely of his era and of his culture, that I just assumed that he wouldn't be malleable or accept me, but n- that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um I'm very lucky in that sense. I'm you know, other people don't have a same story like that. Um where my parents are this receptive and and open um and cool with it. Also like I didn't give them much of a choice. Mm-hmm. Once I was out, I was like, this is what I remember like I I use their perceived homophobia to sometimes embarrass them in public just for my own shits and giggles. (laughs) So like, if there's ever a quibble, I'm like, you're doing this because I'm gay, aren't you? I was (laughs) like, don't silence me. You can't silence my sexuality. And they'll get embarrassed. Like, Luke, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I actually don't know what a 4K uh, TV is. Is it just a $4,000 TV?
2: Or is it... Well... What it is, it's basically the resolution. So, oh, so not. Yeah. (laughs) So, basically, they're they're talking lines of resolution. I know this because uh, uh, I I worked in like television and film, like as an editor. So, basically, standard definition, what we used to deal with back in the day was 480. Mm -hmm. That's the lines of resolution. Then, when HD came out, it became 1080. Mm. And then 4K, it's like 4028 or something Mm. like that. So, it's like 4K. Got it. So it's four times the resolution of HDTV. Wow. Yeah.
1: Everyone should be gay just to get a 4K TV. Truly,
2: I, th- I think, and I don't know if it's scientific, but I think queers have better vision mm-hmm. because we have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we have to. Exactly. We have to see all the things. Mm-hmm. We have to see all the things. We have to see all the things. I don't know if my hearing's better.
1: My hearing is crap. My, my
2: hearing is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. My hearing is pretty bad. I'm glad that we have these headphones on.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, something that keeps coming up in all of the, first of all, thanks for sharing your story. No problem. Uh, I, or I should say thank you for coming out. Uh, um, the That come up, that comes up a lot are two these two themes that keep popping up. One is cushioning the blow for other people and like creating a soft place to land and or, um making it as easy as possible on the other person which i find to be interesting and then the second thing is these assumptions that we have about people and like putting putting it on putting it on them of like you're going to be homophobic and so, do you know what i mean and i just find it to be so interesting that there's there are these like themes that that are popping up as i'm interviewing people and I wonder, I just like, I don't know, I just wanted to, to name it because it's interesting to me that these things keep popping up.
2: Well, which one do we wanna talk about first? You pick. Um, in terms of cushioning the blow, what I, I, I can only speak for myself, mm-hmm. but I felt if I was under the assumption that it was gonna work out then it would work out rather than this is something that I was successful at hiding Mm -hmm. that they knew nothing about. I almost wish that, I think I shocked some people. They had no idea. Mm -hmm. And I think it proves the fear that I had Mm -hmm. in terms of, revealing myself Mm -hmm. and I think it's a lie that I told myself that like oh you weren't afraid of this thing and that you're going to make it seem like it isn't a big deal when it is a big deal Mm -hmm. because it's your identity but not only is it your identity it's your identity that you hid Mm -hmm. that you felt like you needed to hide that you maybe at this point haven't fully accepted because you would have been out. Mm -hmm. And so it's such a huge leap of faith that you wanna cushion it and just be like, this will work out. You already know this, that's why I did that. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to believe that it wouldn't work out. Yeah, Because if it didn't, I've been very lucky. If it didn't, I, it would have affirmed my fear.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: that's. I think that's where that came from. Uh, what was the other one?
1: Just having these expectations that people are going to react a certain way. It's like putting those reactions on them.
2: I, th- I mean, I think the world told us that. Yeah, I think for we've sure. been, I think we, you know, I think every person exists being told a very narrow view of what the world is, and so anything that is outside of that, you feel insecure about or you don't understand, and every narrative that, most of the narratives that were told to me were unsuccessful coming out stories, or, mm-hmm. or being queer is not something you should be, or it's not something that's real, it's just, dis- you know, people being dismissive. And they still do it to this day where they'll say things like, well, it's none of other people's business. You know, it's not my business what you do, mm-hmm. you know, in the privacy of your own home. It's like, I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking right. about who I am.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And also, hetero people do not hide what they do no. in bed. They They're sure don't. actually. <laughs> Assaulting us with it. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere I go, I see heterosexual sexuality thrown in my face. Mm-hmm. So, it's most and so like that's a narrative that's being told to us. But I think it's a narrative that's being told to everyone. I think what's great about being queer is that I have to come out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um, there's things that people that that they know about themselves that they choose that never to reveal, or accept. And they're okay with not doing that because they don't have to mm-hmm. or until they're forced to. Um, I think like depression is one of those, you know, we're mm-hmm. starting to be more open about that. Um, just, you know, just me. I think also like I learned a lot about that and understanding those dynamics because I'm both a person of color and a queer person. Mm-hmm. So I see how sometimes these things overlap. I can't hide the fact that I'm a person of color. I, this is just on my face. But I could mask, in some cases, my queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I could I didn't have the energy to do it anymore. Yeah. I was just tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, that's really what did it was exhaustion. I yeah. was just like, I can't do this anymore. This is so much work. I don't wanna do this. Uh, And I think, I don't know if other people in other facets of their life have the opportunity, culturally, of just being like, you can come out about that. But in queer culture, you can. Mm -hmm. Because it's just something that's part of our journey. It's the, either, it's not the beginning of it, but it's a, it's like a, a checkpoint hmm. You know?
1: Yeah. I think about what a world would look like if we all didn't have to come out. Like I have this utopian thing that I think about all the time of if there weren't binaries ever and if there weren't like you wouldn't have to use the word transgender because there wouldn't be a binary that you're crossing because we all would just be who we are. Yeah. And like you wouldn't have to come out as a queer person because there's no there would be no reason to hide because it's just another identity that exists in the world. And I wonder because for me, I know like words are powerful and empowering. And for me, it helped me find who I was in finding those words. And at the same time, Wonder what it would feel like if we all could just not have to come out and we all were just who we were from the beginning.
2: Yeah. You know? But I believe that ignorance is a huge part of existence. And if that was something that we weren't ignorant about, I'm sure we'd be ignorant about other things. Mm-hmm. So I think as much as I've begun to appreciate, my journey as a queer person and almost value it Mm -hmm. because it strengthened my resolve in myself. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know, if I had the same privilege the way a cishet white man does about my queerness, and I will say some queer white men do, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I would know myself as well as I do because I had to question myself constantly. I had to fight against external things telling me what is, but it also made me realize how wrong the world is. Mm -hmm. Like the world on average is wrong. (laughs) And there's no, and you you, you can use that fact to be disappointed or you can use that fact to feel free and be like, no, this is how I feel. I'm not gonna back down. This is something that I see. Just because you disagree doesn't mean that what I feel and the things that I have resonate. I mean, that goes up to a point, you know. If I see facts, you know, it's it's different. But, you know, I'm not trying trying to say, you know, uh, fake news. I'm just trying to say there is a truth that feels so true and resonates. And you have to ask yourself, is this truth based in love or is this truth based in fear and I feel like most truths that are based in love stand the test of time most ones that are based in fear normally don't
1: yeah that's I like what you were talking about with like valuing the journey and knowing yourself because I actually really so now I'm questioning everything well but but my my ideas of this utopian because yeah I would never be the person that I am today if I didn't go through all of those struggles and figuring out who I was, who I am. So that's interesting and something I want to think about more. Yeah, I think sure. it's
2: it's one of those things where we focus so much on the struggle, and we never sit in the triumph. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're existing in it. Just by existing, you're triumphant. Yeah, but you, it doesn't feel that way. Um because there's so much work to do. Uh and I think I think, you know, I I've it's something that I've come to terms with recently. Just being like, no, I'm glad things happened the way they did. Um and I'm still coming into and understanding more things about my queerness because so much of my queerness has been stunted because I was in the closet and stunted because the world didn't show me who I was and how I reacted off of that and so it's sort of constantly questioning you know are these things that are a part of me reactionary to trying to survive the world that I was in or how much of it is my true self.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I feel like everyone deals with that. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think it's something that is such a huge part of queerness. Um, but like I said, that also aligns with me as a POC. Mm-hmm. How much of who I am when I navigate space is because of the color of my skin or my upbringing. And how much of that is f- like forced upon me to be or forced upon me based on how I react off of the world and what the world tells me. Um, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I don't know. It's a journey. It's it's something.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something else that you mentioned was, uh, I forget which parent you said said it, but the, the notion of just just our, just your parent feeling fearful of all of the hardships that you're going to to face as a queer person. And my my parents had similar things to me of like we just want your life to be easy and we don't want you to face discrimination. And it's just I I think about all that too of of our the previous episode we were talking a lot about Um, Life is already hard. And then adding in hiding this part about you is even harder. And it's like, if you can, if you're able to come out in a safe way, do it. Because it's just going to make it easier. And I feel like for me, the fears of, yeah, my life is harder. It just is harder. Because there are circumstances that make my life harder. But I wouldn't trade it. And... And, and that does not to say that other people don't have things that make their life hard, too. Of course, everyone has that. But um, I don't really know where I was going with that. I just, I, res- I, agree, yeah. I resonate That resonated with me because my parents said the same thing.
2: Yeah, I think they're, they're, uh, back to the thing where it's like, is this based out of fear or is this based out of love? It was mm-hmm. based out of fear. And I think a yeah. lot of parents make their decisions being fearful and not trusting the world for embracing their child for who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a lot of bravery for a parent to be like, well, this is who you are, so just be who you are. That's hard. Yeah. You know? They don't I mean, these are the same people who saw you they, you didn't even know how to eat, you know? <laughs>
1: right, right.
2: And they're expecting and so like, you know, their bars low for you. <laughs> Like when I first met you, you you were screaming because you had a tummy ache, you know? Like, uh, and now you're telling me you you want to be a minority in the world. There are easier ways to live. Right. And it's like, nah, you don't get it. And it's, and I've also, it's one of those things where I've had to be okay with my parents not understanding, but also there's a lot about my parents that I don't understand about them. Mm -hmm. Again, back to the whole ignorance thing no one knows a damn thing. And it's very freeing. Like It's Mm -hmm. not something that I'm like, oh, I don't know my parents, so I'm not going to invest in trying to understand them. I'm just saying like, well, this is something that I don't quite see. Let me try to put in the work to understand it. Um, And I started to understand my parents, where they're coming from. And they're starting to understand me, where I'm coming from. But it's still like we fall back into those roles because, again, I'm still the kid and they're still my parents. We fall back into those roles. Mm-hmm. I think like that is a, a different dynamic. It's also really interesting when I was out in L.A. Um, versus when I was in New York. It was very different because when I was in New York, I was born and raised in New York. So much of my closeted life was based in New York. When I was in L.A., none of that existed. Mm-hmm. So Lou was just Lou. I was like, "This is great." Yeah. <laughs> but that baggage is something I put on myself, something that I that I like. I realized when I was out now. I was like, "Oh, I created this. This is not real. This weight that I have in New York is based on a past that I don't didn't. I don't fully know is real. It's just my memories. It's not factual. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I needed to let that go. I need to let kind of like that frustration go. Because in retrospect, I would be angry. Oh, this happened or that happened. It's like, you know what? I'm here now. I'm Lou now. I'm moving forward and I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's still like a struggle every day to be like, let that go. And be who you are now. And make up for that by putting forth... You know, uh, who you are, and celebrating others for who they are, because that's a, I think that is what we, as other queer people, should do: is just understand and celebrate each other. Mm-hmm. Because who's going to be the biggest cheerleaders for us but us? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Except there's still. I still feel like there's such a there's there are still divides among the communities, and it's like, and Bobby and I. Bobby's our producer. Bobby we were talking earlier uh, just briefly but was the way that you described it what he was saying instead of saying the LGBTQ community saying the LGBTQ communities because though we are one big community we all are also our own communities of different identities and I thought that was a really interesting and powerful statement that I hadn't thought about before and I, I, do, I, w- I, I hear you and I agree with you that I wish that our communities could rally behind each other more instead of there being this like competition or erasure or um, just the divides that exist. And I wonder how, how powerful we could be and how much better life could be for folks if we were on each other's side instead of competing or judging or I think a trying lot, to define yeah. each other.
2: I think, uh, again, back to the ignorance thing. We yeah. just, like, other groups don't know each other. And I think particularly, you know, people weigh their struggle against other people's struggle. Oh, you, you don't get it. Because mm-hmm. my struggle is this. You don't understand because what I have is worse. It's like, okay, but are you listening?
0: Right. Yep.
2: But are you listening?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's it are you listening because if what you're doing is using what i'm telling you to weigh your existence then you're not listening yep you're calculating and i think like that's what it is everyone's trying to i just said we're all trying to struggle to win being successful where we are and success in this country and other places is money. Mm-hmm. It's power. Those things still are things that drive people. Yeah, and it's something that like, well, if you get this, you can't have this because truly, this is something that's real. I've had friends, and I work in the entertainment industry, who was like, well, we can't have you in because we already have one of you. People say that. Yes, all the time. What I,
1: it's like I, I hear, I hear it, but it's like I. It's still mind-blowing every time I hear that it's
2: real. It just exists. It's just something that happens. And that creates division.
1: Yeah, you're Because
2: right. what we're doing is we're seeking other people's success rather than forging your own path and creating that within yourself. And I think sometimes in forging your own path, you become a little myopic and you don't include others. Mm-hmm. And I think like when I was doing and still like when I'm working on my shows and my projects, trying to be more open, trying to be more inclusive, and I think i trying to be more open. My my mind has been opened mm-hmm. and my heart has been open to seeing different experiences that I wouldn't have if I was like, Well, if I just wanted to do a queer show, I can just do, you know, a bunch of gay guys because they track well with how I think. But also the fact that I'm a person of color made me realize how wrong that is. Mm-hmm. I navigate queer spaces always a minority. I navigate yeah. POC spaces always a minority because I'm always queer in those spaces and I'm always brown in those spaces. Mm-hmm. So I know for a fact that people's experiences aren't being heard regardless of what you're doing. So you have to be conscious of that mm-hmm. and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, but people don't see that because they weren't forced to, to be brown and gay like me, right? I my and that's why I'm grateful for it because it gives me this point of view. It's a very small dot in like the huge, you know, you know, uh, tapestry that is the world. But it's like it's helped me be better, mm-hmm. um, rather than be bitter. Yeah, because <laughs> you could, I could. Uh, I could be angry, and I'm angry sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is what it is. is you you got to like rise above it.
1: Yeah. That theme of listening keeps popping up. This is the, this is our ninth episode that we've recorded. Congratulations! And in every single episode, is the same. I gotta stop. I gotta stop calling it out every time. Or maybe not. I don't know. It just it feels so important. To call it out every time, or to name it that, that, that is such a theme that has popped up with every single person. Of are you are you listening? I am trying to tell you something. Please listen. I love it. It just makes me happy. So you're talking about. Um, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit, and the the comedy that you do. You're a UCB person, <laughs> and so, you. I want to hear um, because there are two shows that I'm familiar with. Um, that we will slay and gay by play mm-hmm. can you tell us about those shows and the intentionality behind them and just kind of walk us through
2: walk us walk us through it Sure um, so I guess I'll go with gay by play first because that one is easiest to uh, explain um, me and my friend Michael Hartney um, were bullshitting backstage um, and there is a show that exists um, at UCB called play by Play mm-hmm. Where they have improvisers come out, and then they have two uh, improvisers do play-by-play commentary, mm. like uh, of the improv as it's going on. And we were backstage at Chelsea, and we were joking like it was a bit like gay by play. And so we just me and Michael were just kicking and just being silly queens and just being like, um, it's like yes, give that base reality, honey, and just like being <laughs> stupid. It was just a stupid bit. And and Chelsea, this was when Chelsea, I think this was around the time Chelsea was closing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the bit, we did the bit for a while, and people were like, that should be a show. This needs to be a show. And so the last night of Chelsea, um, we did a gay by play, because it was kind of like a free for all. It was kind of free willing, the last night of Chelsea. Like, mm-hmm. it was, it, like, shows kept going. And so we were just like, we're just gonna do a gay by play. And so we did a gay by play um, uh, probably during the most hetero male show, which was Jalapeno Bros, mm. which uh, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar, uh, each line that is said, I think ha- someone has to eat a jalapeno. Okay. And we did gay by play commentary over that. And so uh, after that we got a slot and then we just kept doing the show and it's a really fun show. We always have one, <laughs> we have one token straight white man mm-hmm. for each team, and the, it, it, the the forefront and the thought is all about inclusion. So we try to keep, um, uh, we we don't limit ourselves to house players. Mm-hmm. So we'll 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 bring up people who are like, uh, coming up in the community, um, and we're trying to get diverse voices. And we'll have two teams. They'll perform, and then me and Michael will do our stupid play-by-play, gay-by-play commentary over it. Uh, And it's a fun catch-all because if the scenes are good, then we're not really commentary. But if the scenes are bad, we buoy it with our commentary. Mm -hmm. And so it's just silly, fun, celebratory, and then everyone has a good time. Um, It's easily one of my favorite shows to do and to perform in, uh, mostly because I don't have to do improv. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just just gotta be an idiot, and that's always fun. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So can the improvisers hear what you're saying?
2: Oh, yeah, we have mics. Oh, okay. We have mics, they don't. Yeah. And so, Amazing. yeah. So, um, and we take forever to announce. We announce each person one by one, and we just bullshit. And just like, again, it's just, it really is one of the most self-indulgent things I've ever <laughs> done in my life, and I've done improv mm-hmm. uh, for a while. And it's such a joy every time. It's always good energy. Everyone has a good time. Uh, someone told me, there's like, I've never seen people leave so happy from a show. <laughs> and it's, it's just because cool. it's just good energy. It's just good, like, and it's all love. Um, and also, everyone is so funny that we bring up, like, so it's like, it's never, and, nev- and there's never a pressure there. People always feel like, oh, you're gonna make commentary. But once they realize the things that we're commenting on, and we tell people, it's like, lean into the things that we're commenting on because then it'll be funny. It's like, a, it, it's an interplay, it's a handshake that we have. It's like, uh, it sounds like I'm mean, but really, I'm on your side. And it creates such a wonderful um, coexistence on stage and it's so fun to do.
1: That sounds awesome. I need to check it out. I was invited to play for a Pride show, but I was out of town.
2: Yeah, we'll so, get you. We'll yeah, get, get, get you. Me. Get me next time. We'll get you. Yeah. Um, and so for, for Slay, um, uh, I was asked to teach uh, an advanced class. Um, and it was suggested, it was like, hey, you should do like a queer one. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, I am gonna do one. And so, I was like, but I want it during Pride Month. I want the show run during Pride Month, because mm-hmm. that makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, and so, I was like, okay, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right, so I had like a, uh, there was like almost like 200 people submitted. I looked through every submission. Wow. I had people fill out a form, because I, I wasn't interested. I wasn't as interested in their ability to be funny as I was more interested in representation mm-hmm. in the community. And so, so much so that I, the, the normal class size is 16, my class was 20. hmm wow. Um, and uh, in realizing that I had so many people in the class, um, I needed to find a way for them to showcase themselves in the show, and so I created kind of a form. So we basically do a montage. Um, everyone, all 20 people are on stage the whole show. It's wow. an hour long show. 20 people are on stage the whole show. For each show, we have um, five or four people come out because there were so many people in the class. I was like, you have three to five minutes to speak about an aspect of your queerness. It doesn't have to be your coming out. It can just be something that you want to speak to. And I think as we went along, the theme of vulnerability came up. Mm, mm-hmm. And people started becoming more vulnerable in the things that they were sharing and the things that they were doing. And and I called these moments, by the way, where they came up and talked tent poles. Mm, and mm. so the people became more vulnerable in their tent poles. And there was a, an aspect of vulnerability and triumph because they would speak of this aspect of their queerness or this journey in their queerness where they didn't feel like they could grasp it. And then they did a performance to sort of like top that. So uh, an example for one of the ones that was done this year Mm -hmm. was uh, someone talked about how um, when they were younger, they would swim and they... Uh, Cody Goal um, and they would uh, they loved swimming and then once they started uh, being noticed for being larger Mm -hmm. they would then wear a shirt but then the shirt would cling Mm -hmm. and they would feel self-conscious about that Uh, and then they just feigned not wanting to swim but they Mm -hmm. loved to swim and that persisted even in queer culture because it's something that Particularly male queer culture, but where it's just like, you know, there's body types. We're literally labeled by body types. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and it was something that he hated. He hated that part of himself. And he was like, I just wanna swim. I just wanna swim. Mm-hmm. And then after telling that story, he took off his clothes, he was in swim trunks, and then he just pretended to swim on stage.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: And so like that was the balance. It was, and these ten poles, you cry. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and then we now do improv off of that. (laughs) So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that balance of that vulnerability and that honesty and that triumph. And then we're going to do some silly improv. And I feel like the improv was always better because the stakes felt lighter. Mm -hmm. Because normally when you're doing an improv class show, You're like, well, I gotta be funny. I have to be good. I can't embarrass myself. But you're not thinking that after you just wept. Right. You're not thinking about that. You're not thinking, you're thinking like, my friend bared their soul on stage. That's powerful. And that's still resonating with you. You're not really thinking, and you're just existing on stage. And the scenes, I would say, are funnier because of that balance, because of that weight that brought it down. We need a release. The audience needs a release. Mm And that comedy is there, and I feel like it hits so much harder. And I think like there's so many temples that I've seen where I, like, I've wept, um, uh, people singing their own songs, creating their own songs, like talking about different aspects of their queerness, talking about um, you, know, uh, e- e- uh, being able to speak on these different aspects and express them in a way that's palatable and understandable. And the thing was, of course it's understandable because we're all human. And I think that's one of the things that I realized about that show is Mm -hmm. if you just bear yourself and you speak about it in plain terms, who you are and what you're going through, it's going to resonate Mm -hmm. with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And it did. Every tentpole in which people spoke of themselves connected with everyone in that audience. Those audiences, I've never seen audiences react the way they've reacted, Mm -hmm. where Literally several standing ovations for some of these tentpoles. Um And the energy is just love. The energy of that show is just love. We do a runway uh, uh, every class, mostly because the first time I did the show was during, um, I think it was season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And I told the class, I was like, if I'm going to miss it, I'm not going to miss all of it. I still mm-hmm. want a runway. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was like, if I announce your name, you're gonna come up, you're gonna do a runway. Mm-hmm. And then that's what we're gonna do. And we did that for every show. And then the next year, I changed it where I was like, "You give me a song, and then I'll let you do a runway." And we and like people just did performances. Mm-hmm. It was wild. I, I would say like attendance. Lit- this was attendance, by the way. This was just attendance. Attendance took almost an hour
0: because <laughs> people were awesome. people
2: were doing just people were literally doing lip syncs. People were were doing dances. People had like props. People were like and I told them that I was like. I am a prop queen, I celebrate props. <laughs> I was like, so I will, and I told them, I was like, I will always pick a winner. I told them that too. <laughs> so just like, step it up. I was like, I will always pick a winner. Sometimes I didn't, because everyone crushed. But like, but that in itself created such an openness amongst the group, because it's hard to wrangle 20 people. Yeah, It's very difficult. Um, but if you keep it light and keep it fun, but you keep it honest and you keep it open, I think it's all about that balance, you know? Keeping it enjoyable, letting people really express themselves and supporting that expression, even mm-hmm. though you don't understand it, I think is huge. And for each of these ten poles, like I spoke with each um, performer, and I was like, well, what do you want to do? And I gave them questionnaires that I wanted to know about them so that I can help them speak vulnerably of something but also be triumphant. And I think it was also like that balance, like. Vulnerability and triumph. Because I think if we just sit in the vulnerability, we don't know what to do with it because Mm -hmm. people are awkward. Right. But if in that vulnerability, I think that's where the improv is great. But if you do have this outlet for joy, people are excited uh, and it lightens the mood um, in that sense. And so, like, it's a really special show that. I didn't realize it was special until we were doing the shows, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh!" At first, I was like, "This is just a you know, this is a queer a, a advanced performance class, fun." But I didn't realize what it was because it mm-hmm. wasn't a queer advanced performance class, like, uh, for at least like maybe ten, like, maybe five years. So like, there's a long separation mm-hmm. between them. So like, it was something that like there was a lot more queer students in, in the community now than there was when those other ones were but it was something that was needed that I didn't realize that I was tapping into mm-hmm.
1: that sounds amazing I've heard so many good things about about that show I need to go check it out I'm wondering if like so I'm thinking about thank you for coming out shows and the vulnerability that people that like the vulnerable spaces that they put themselves in to share their coming out stories because and a lot of times folks are like my story is not funny. Like my story didn't, it's not going to be funny. Like it doesn't need to be funny. I just want to hear your truth. And then them seeing, it's then the feet, so the feedback that I, I get often, and I'm curious if you get the same feedback is putting themselves in that vulnerable position and kind of reliving some kind sometimes like painful moments, but then watching it come to life in this improv, improvisational way with, with levity and with, humor and love and support actually helps them heal and reimagine, not rewrite their history, but help understand it in a different way and and heal and move on, which to me feels like the best compliment that I could get if, is to help somebody... Heal a little bit from yeah. something that was painful for them or really vulnerable for them. And I'm curious if anyone has shared after sharing their tent pole similar kinds of feedback. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, it gets real emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's something that is true to any person. And I really think that this is universal. I think yeah. everyone should come out. Yeah. Um, that comes up a lot too. Because what is happening. Is that once you unearth this thing and it's out there, you have a better idea of what it is. You're not ashamed of it. You're not looking away from it. You know, shame festers and grows because you allow it to. Mm-hmm. And I think aspects of your coming out, you're like, well, this is such a hard time in my life. I couldn't bear to unearth it, but in unearthing it, you get to understand yourself more, but you also need to understand that while it is an important thing, it is but a blip of who you are. Mm -hmm. And we put weight on it. And when you see that levity, I think that also makes, probably makes them understand that this is part of life, this is life. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It's something that happens you never leave it behind you always take it with you but you never but don't ignore it it's something that's there mm-hmm. and i think seeing it celebrated helps people embrace it yeah and i think your show does that and i think it i'm glad that people share that with you mm-hmm. because you probably didn't i don't know if you did you realize that what That's what you were doing? No. Yeah, we don't realize this shit. Yeah, I
1: was like, I'm putting on an improv show. I'm putting on a show, (laughs) Yeah, I'm
2: putting on a show, and then you fall into it, understand what it is, and then as you start doing it, you then have more of a focus. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when the nurturing begins, because when I saw that in the first sleigh, I was like, I know what this is now. Mm -hmm. I need to now tend to this and curate this better, and also make people more open and okay with vulnerability. Yeah. And I think because I saw such good, re- such wonderful and beautiful results when it did happen. Otherwise, if it went terribly, I'd be like, oh, well, you know what, maybe we don't do this. Right. Um, but because it was such a positive and good feedback, you're like, okay, how do I tend to this? How do I do that? And I think that's that's so important to like not run away from a good thing, because it's very easy to be like, well, that was fun, okay. We're done now, right? Mm-hmm. But to then keep coming back, because it's work producing a show.
1: It is work, for sure. It's work. Yeah.
2: And so you come back to it because of those moments. Because mm-hmm. those moments are important to people in their lives, and it's also important for you to witness. It's a powerful moment to witness and be a part of. Yeah. Um, And so I'm very lucky that it sort of fell into my lap, but I also know that I play an active role in nurturing it and creating it. I don't. Disconnect myself from the process, mm-hmm. but I do understand that its inception was presented to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I had the choice to either not do it again, or to put focus on it, and I chose to put a focus on it.
1: Yeah,
2: and I think it's about understanding that, to me, that balance, because like I have a responsibility, because like I want to do the show more than outside of a once a, once every pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm working. I'm doing work to like sort of create that cuz i think anyone could do a tent pole. Yeah. It's all about helping them understand what a tent pole is mm-hmm. and then seeing that and then doing it. And so like, you know, to to have it be more regular. And people so, you know, this year people were like you got to do it. You got to do it more often. And I was like, it's a son of a bitch to to wrangle. Yeah. Um, but I'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cuz i have to, i feel.
1: Yeah. That's how I, you know, i there have been moments in and and the run of thank you for coming out we're starting our this is our 5th summer and so i'm we're starting our 5th year and there have been maybe a handful of moments through this time where i just am so it's just exhausting producing a show and i do it sometimes twice a month sometimes more than twice a month depending on festivals and sometimes i i lose sight of what i'm doing and to, and then it's just sending an email and casting a cast and thinking about all the different pieces that go into it and I I forget what I'm doing and then I'll hear from somebody or I will see a show and hear a story and ball and then watch it be reimagined with you know just all the all the pieces of it and it's like you're saying it's like it's those moments that remind me and and kind of help me reframe it to keep moving forward because it is it's so much work And it's I have right I have the choice of like just be done with it, or really put in the time to nurture it. And time and time again, I keep understanding and learning that that nurturing is it's nurtures me too and helps helps me remember the important things in life. There was I there was one moment. This was maybe three prides ago, and I started getting really caught up in trying to get as as like famous people as possible. And was just like on this like rampage and was like, well, I don't even know if I want to have this person in my show because they don't want me to post uh, their headshot or something. And my roommate at the time, John Heffley, shout out to you. He was like, but that he's like, you're losing sight of thank you for coming out. He's like, that's not the point of the show. And he said he just said it a couple of times. He's Like, that's not the point of the show. And I just looked at him. And I started crying, and I like hugged him, and I was like, "Holy fuck, you're right. It's not the fucking point of the show. If people aren't ready to be out, and have their headshot posted, of course I'm not gonna post. Like, you know, I got lost in it, um, and so it's just I need those remind. Just you know, because it's easy to get swept up, yeah, in in it, um, or lose sight of it. And so I don't know. I'm now I'm just rambling, but it just it feels. Having those moments, those reminding moments of why you're, why we're doing this, and there's clearly a need in all of these different aspects of, of giving people the opportunity to share their truths and to have it celebrated because it, because not everyone gets that opportunity to be able to celebrate these parts of mm-hmm. them that they are hiding.
2: And in sharing in the sharing of someone's truth, it may help you contextualize, aspects of who you are.
1: For sure, yeah. And I
2: feel like that's why it's so rewarding to watch. Because, I mean, I don't do the show, I I direct the show. Mm-hmm. So it's so enriching to see these things and to see parts of myself and to learn and to grow and to connect with these aspects. Every tentpole that was done it resonates with me in some way. Mm -hmm. Even though every queer experience is different, the one thing that links us all is our humanity. Yep. And so like when we have allies come, they're crying too.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: They're not like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Straight people don't come to me like, I don't understand why you do the show. They're like, thank you for doing this show. Right. Because it's humanity. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying like, it resonates because there's something in everyone that they know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that they know is true about them, but they don't know if they can share it. Right. Or if there is a right time or a wrong time to share it because of the world. And so all of those themes are universal.
0: Yep.
2: It is not something that is limited to queerness. Mm-hmm. It's something that everyone has. And so I think I think it would be a lot easier to get people on board with queerness if they just understood that. Yeah. Like there's something in you that you're not telling me because you think I wouldn't understand. I mean, when I when I look at racism, when I look at homophobia, when I look at all of that, I ask I'm wondering, I genuinely wonder, what are you not? telling me Mm -hmm. because you're telling me a lot but you're not telling me what I need to understand what you're saying you're hiding something there's something there Mm -hmm. there's something that's driving this ignorance and it's not that you're stupid right there's something there come out Mm
1: -hmm. well that's what I mean in the last episode we were talking about this exact thing of you must be dealing with something so whatever it is that you are taking it out on everybody else and just come out, right? With whatever it is and let's help each other, let's support yeah. each other. I wanna sh- switch gears because uh, we are nearing the end of our episode, but well, I, w- I would love to hear your Ring of Keys moment. Okay. Because we're talking a lot about seeing ourselves in other people and the, the humanity and the connection, so um, if you have one, I would love to hear
2: so I don't really have a particular like aha moment, mm-hmm. um, but I do think there's aspects and glimmers of things that I like when I see it. I I resonate with those people. I don't have moments, but I do have people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I think a huge one right now is Billy Porter. He is bringing it so hard. Mm, yeah. Um, and. I think what it is with him is that he's always been him and now he's getting a platform. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, like looking at a queer POC particularly is something refreshing to watch. You know, he's no spring chicken, Mm -hmm. but everyone's like screaming. They could have been screaming sooner.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And... It's something that I think about because I'm like I and I and I've said this like I don't know if I will ever see the fruition of the things that I want, which is you know an actual representation and understanding of who I am. But I don't know if that's something that can be asked for in a world where I said earlier is just ignorant. Mm-hmm. It's just like by its existence, it has to be ignorant. No one can know everything. Um, so Billy Porter is one of those. Um, Lizzo I'm obsessed mm-hmm. mostly because like she's a big girl and I was always big and it was just one of those things where I just did not understand and when I started coming into m- my sexuality also just being ashamed of it and then once it was celebrated and sometimes fetishized mm-hmm. um, I was like I'm happy with who I am and I need some someone or something to express that and she was that I mean to ha- for her to have her backup dancers just bring it so hard, but also like be my size is so enriching. Mm-hmm. And normally when I go to Lizzo concerts, I just see women and queer people. And I think there's something that just resonates with her being like, this is who I am, love yourself. Yeah. And I think like that's something that I think is really powerful. Um... Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else or... Uh, those are great, those are but great. But I think like those, those two, they seem mm-hmm. pretty contemporary. Yeah. But I don't think that like when I was coming up there were aspects of it, but nothing really rang true to me because I don't even know if, if that representation was there. And if it was there, it was, I was basically starving. Mm-hmm. I, I was thirsty and so I would take anything that was out there i mean so much i mean let's keep it real a lot of queer media is low rate like those like shoddy camera work the acting is okay because they don't really give us an opportunity to (laughs) like have you know like like have the money or or the facilities to get talented people unless it's on in live theater like live theater is when i start really seeing real good stuff because people want to work on it but in terms of like presentation on TV and film they don't want to they didn't want to give us the space because they didn't think that it's valuable and now after this pride I better see some a lot of you know uh, all these banks being like pride yep. this pride that put your money where your mouth is and start putting it in the productions uh, I want to see some high quality uh, uh, really good queer representation mm-hmm. um, on TV and film yep. uh, don't don't try to come from my wallet uh, June Uh, come from my wallet all the time. (laughs) Okay. That's capitalism. (laughs) Right. Uh, use it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is so true. Um, okay. Did you think of a, would you rather question?
2: I didn't. That's (laughs) okay. No, that's so
1: fine. Yeah. I have one from one of the previous episodes that I'll ask you. Okay. Um, would you rather sleep for eight hours every night or not sleep for eight hours every night, but you could nap anytime you wanted?
2: I'm very much a night owl, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm gonna go with the napping. Because if you're gonna eliminate my nights, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. That's not something that's uh, negotiable. Yeah. Uh, I like sometimes hanging out at three a.m. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I was saying. Like I also picked napping because I was saying, well, yeah, you know, I could go out all the time. And then I was like, wait, I never go out. But if, but if I could. And maybe I would if I didn't have to worry about getting sleep.
2: I'll go out to the club. I'll, I'll take a nap, refresh, get back in it. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah. Okay, so we're in our last segment. Um, and so I'm going to ask you a series of rapid-fire questions and just answer as quickly as you can. Uh, and there are no wrong answers except for one. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding. But Okay, reading or writing?
2: Uh, writing.
1: Acting or singing? Acting. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Beach. Biking or running? Biking. Bagels or donuts? Donuts. Ooh. Okay. Train or plane? Plane. Pants or shorts. Shorts. Coke or Pepsi. Coke. Night or day. Night. Favorite dessert.
2: Coconut mousse. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. My friend Joe has a Thai restaurant in <coughs> Riverdale called C M Square. Hit it up. Uh, and he makes his coconut mousse that is insane. And it has like a bunch of like tart. So it's like it's a sweet, kind of nutty because of the coconut Mm -hmm. uh, mousse. And then you just have like these kind of tart fruits, like strawberry, kiwi, um, papaya. And you just dip it in the coconut mousse. And it is wild, the flavors that are happening to you. Wow. Some people don't like coconut. I mean, I have Caribbean blood in me. I'm all about coconuts. I'm all about mangoes. Uh... I'm all about all that shit.
1: Excuse me. I love a nice piña colada. That's coconut, right?
2: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um uh I'll t- uh, when we're done I'll tell you about a place that has really good piña colada, $6 piña coladas fire. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me now. Uh there's I, I don't know the place. That's <laughs> oh, why I was oh, like okay. I have to look it up. <laughs> Ooh, excuse uh, me. Yeah. I only <laughs> the only way I knew about it was because uh I Met uh, I was messaging someone on a hookup app. I needed somewhere to see them in person, mm-hmm. um, and I was looking around and like uh, uh, at the time I was like, "Oh, this place is near where I am," and I was just like, "Whoa, these margaritas and pinatas are fire!" Uh, and I'm so grateful uh, for that hookup, mostly for that.
1: I am too for you for me now because I can't wait to hear where this place is.
2: It's great.
1: Um, so if you do you have social media that uh, people can follow you on? Yes.
2: Um, at Angry Lou, A N G R Y L O U, and that's all the social medias So like on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at Angry Lou. I don't really do Snapchat, um, and that's it. Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm doing.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me. I had a really great time.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was a delight.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks.
2: Thank you for coming
1: out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.